Hey there, just before we begin, a quick note that today's episode includes discussion of suicide. Hello, and welcome to Hit Me in the Heart, the podcast that believes for every laugh there must be a choked emotional sob. I'm your bleeding heart millennial, Scott. I'm your hearty flyboy, Travis. And I'm your kind-hearted oaf, Paul. And on today's episode, take it away, Trav. Have you ever gotten a recommendation from a friend that sometimes gives you gold, but sometimes gives you stuff that you really don't agree with? And that recommendation is 30 hours of content. (laughs) Well, I received that recommendation about the show, Please Like Me. It has become my favorite show on television. watching the show not thinking it was going to be anything special but as soon as I got a couple episodes in I was hooked it wasn't until the second last episode that it really impacted me though uh not that it isn't a fantastic show but there is a moment in the second last episode where Tom the best friend of Josh admits that he feels completely helpless and small and ineffectual in helping out someone who is dealing with grief that he absolutely loves And I was currently going through that exact situation with someone that I cared about. And it was just such an honest, beautiful representation of what was going on in my life. I was able to go back and immediately watch the entire season again, which I have never done with a television show, to see how nuanced, how beautiful it was, and appreciate it all the more because they had nailed it. They had taken a difficult, difficult topic and made a beautiful piece of art around it. And I I can't recommend this show high enough. That, that was just the most difficult thing I've ever done. So awful. I feel, I feel so useless and small. So what is Please Like Me? (laughs) Please Like Me is a television show that aired in Australia on ABC One or Two, um, was produced by the Pivot Network, and uh, I came to through Netflix. It's written by the uh, comedian actor Josh Thomas, who I wasn't familiar with. I didn't know anyone in the uh, television show, although apparently some of them are familiar faces to those who live across the ocean. The token Australian in the room. (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Is slightly familiar. Actually, Um, and weirdly British people, because Deborah Lawrence, who plays Josh's mum, was on uh, Home and Away for years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, soap opera stars. Like, so they're really big people locally in Australia then. 
Uh, Josh Thomas as a comedian broke out when he was like 17 years old or something. He was like stupid young and one of those people that has shown up on like Australian panel shows and is always in like the Melbourne Comedy Festival and just had a pretty high profile and people knew who he was. And apparently this series was his pet project for the longest time and then he finally got it off the ground, you know, in his mid-twenties. Well, I didn't know anything about him, but what I I do know after doing a little bit of research about this is that uh, his mother tried to commit suicide when he was younger. Oh. And though, so this pet project is because he had a perspective. I mean, he's a wonderkin. You're saying he broke out at 17. This show, I, I don't know how old he is in it. I, he makes the joke. He looks like a 40-year-old baby, but... He must be in his 20s. He is. He's a year older than I am and has already wrapped like four seasons of his You'll own get television there. show. Yay. You'll get Scott. <laughs> We're going to start with a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what was amazing of the, uh, to this show is there seemed to be a scope. I think that anyone that grew up in our generation watching television from the 90s um, and movies from the 80s and stuff, if you look at it now, nothing holds up very well because they use a lot of tropes. So they start with things like, oh, we've got the jock, we've got the virgin, we've got the whatever, and we'll tell a story in shorthand because movies, we don't really have time to tell a whole story. There isn't really that much character development. All they want to do is tell a funny story, and the dramas, although they're good, they're telling sort of complicated stories without that much interest in character. Yeah, we're in the golden age of television where characters on TV are actually allowed to like fight for a couple of episodes and then make up and all these real life things can come back into TV storytelling because for the longest time you had to be able to watch an episode in isolation and understand everything you needed to understand in the first three minutes. And I think that this really takes that to another level. When Josh Thomas does interviews, he doesn't say that he had the scope of this story, but I think in having the experience himself, he had planned out how he wanted this to go. He wanted to talk about suicide. Suicide, I also just learned, is the 10th leading cause of death in America. Really? The 10th. It's also the second leading cause of death between 18 and 34. So it's the second leading cause of death for young people. And it's not talked about. It's really, really difficult to have an honest, informed, interesting conversation about suicide. And he put it into a 22-minute comedy. We'll call it a comedy because it's hilariously funny. He's a comedian and he makes it absolutely hilarious. But he's gone and done this because he decided to take a scope. You know, everyone forgets that, you know, novels for years and years, you had 60 hours to tell a story that you could tell nuanced interpretations of each person's perspective. And then they forgot that you can do that in a serialized television show. Do you think that adds to the value of watching it on a streaming service versus absolutely versus having to watch it and wait for week per week and months between seasons or years between seasons? I think what's amazing about the show is they hold up episode to episode. You can see that it's just a funny, hilarious 22-minute take. It's like a short story. Each one is a short story, but they tell a larger story. You know, people complain that, uh, oh, the movie wasn't as good as the book. In two hours, you can't do anything. You can't tell any sort of complexity or you can't show any sort of complexity. You have to just, you know, tell the story because you don't have time to do it. If you take your time, like in this situation, you can say... Okay, the first episode, we're going to have Rose try and, try and kill herself. We're going to have the, the main character's mother try to commit suicide. She fails. Then there's, you know, 30 hours of content or 15 or 20 or however much it is 
um, to give her perspective. She has someone that commits suicide next to her, someone that she cares about. And one of the best episodes of the series is when she has to go and deal with that. She talks to her son about, I, I don't understand why you weren't angry with me when um, I tried to commit suicide. And he says, well, well, I was scared. Now, after you got better, then I was angry. The third time you tried to kill yourself, uh, that was like a day where we didn't know if your stomach had been pumped in time. If it had been pumped in time, they assured me you would be fine. But if it hadn't, you were going to die Slowly over two weeks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I just... You're my mum. Yeah, I just... Imagine if I had to watch you die slowly over two weeks. Watch you kill yourself over two weeks. Of course, like, I was scared. I was fucking terrified. But then, then when I found out you were fine, then I got angry. That was an angry day for me. It's a difficult line to put in a comedy. It's a difficult line to put in anything and have it be as impactful as it was in that scene. It gave her the sort of perspective of other people dealing with her suicide. And yet, at the very end, she still does it because she is struggling with mental illness. She fails. While other people do succeed, they showed that was the end of her journey. It's heartbreaking. And for some people, that's the raw, honest truth. That's a that's a reality that a lot of people deal with. That sometimes you don't overcome that, and 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 this happens. Like it's. And I think that's why it's impactful for me. So I've had a little bit more experience with mental illness in the past ten years. It seems to be a problem with uh, with with people that I know or people in general. And it's I don't know if it's less stigmatized and people are a little bit more aware or willing to talk about it. But you you see it. And if someone is honest with you, I am depressed, it's a little bit easier to have an understanding when they don't want to do something or come out. This this shows such an amazing, I don't know, breadth of understanding of what different mental illness illnesses can do to a person. Hannah is a beautiful character. She's so utterly herself. She doesn't compromise. She does what she has to do. And for some reason, other people, they let her do that. There's an episode where they all go to Arnold's birthday party and she spends the entire time alone. She's happier. She doesn't like dealing with people. She's just left to her own devices, but still included. She's like an Eeyore. She's very sad if you talk to her. Very funny in a self-deprecating way, but... Um, That's a good description of her, actually. Yeah, they, kind of like a New York. they let her be sad, but still include her. Even yeah. though she's depressed, even though she beats herself, she's still allowed to come to the party. She's still allowed to come to the Christmas party and sit there and be a part of it, even if she's depressed. Hello, where's your hat? Huh? Why are you wearing your hilarious hat? Do you think you're too good for your hat, Hannah? Oh, yeah. Put your hat on, Hannah. King Hannah. <laughs> She hasn't clocked it on a girl. It's Christmas. You have to wear the hat. Where's not wearing one? I don't have a hat. Because she lost. She don't mind. I would really like to see you in the hat. I'm not wearing a fucking hat. Josh meets Arnold for the first time, and they're having a candid discussion about him being an orphan. And he's, you know, he's okay with it. He's fairly well adjusted. He loves his family and everything. And then they're playing beer pong, and he's trash talking him and says, Are you sure you're okay, Josh? You don't want to have a rest because you've had a rough day with your mum and all. Oh! Oh! At least I have a mum, orphan. Oh, man, what the fuck? 
What's wrong? Um, I'm adopted. He's teasing me because I'm adopted. <laughs> Whoa, Josh, what the fuck? We're just playing. Yeah, it, it's funny. It's it's okay. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's my brother, man. That is so not cool. Arnold laughs. They all turn on Josh, and yeah. Josh is just like, no, he's, look, he's laughing. He's fine with it. And, and Arnold even says, like, no, I can handle it. Arnold's and, like, give me a drink. I'm and fine. Everyone like, yeah, else in the room yeah. is just saying, oh, no, he, he's, you know, he's precious. He's, he's mental. You can't, yeah. you can't say those sorts of things. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing to say, like, no, people know their own limitations. Even if they're having, you know, anxiety issues or mental health issues, they can still be a part of the room. A lot of this is made uh, much more powerful by the fact that the show itself mainly follows the exploits and sexploits of young, gay, freshly out of the closet Josh Thomas. His best friend Tom, who doesn't seem to have a personality at first, other than the fact that he is dating literally the devil incarnate yeah. and also several <laughs> people I went to high school with in a character <laughs> named Neve. And it's just very... The scope of the series is very small potatoes. It's living life day to day, being funny, making wry observations, trying to navigate love. And it's it's like domestic life in a Melbourne suburb for a recently emancipated young queer adult. There's a lot of series that play around in that sandbox. There are very few that use that as an opportunity to talk about these deeper themes and these very true to life experiences that just don't find a platform on television that often. While still being comedy gold, by, by, by having every episode there being a big laugh, something that is smart, and, and, and it's Josh Thomas in part. I mean, there's other comedians in there too, but the writing is so good. I thought we weren't eating bread. Oh yeah, I thought it might be nice to have some bread. Josh, why are you doing this? I just thought maybe bread isn't actually the enemy. Do you know how many times over the last two weeks I've wanted to eat white food and I didn't? Do you know why I didn't? Because it spikes your blood sugar. No! No? Well, yes, yes, but also I did it for us, because of us, and now you're quitting on me? No, don't you say that. You That's not true, Tom. I couldn't quit you. I mean, surely Arnold doesn't eat bread. So fit. You're just going to get fat for Arnold now? More to love. No, it's not more to love. It's the same amount of love. It's just spread thinner. What this whole series is about is loving people for their flaws. That is a very difficult thing to do in a movie. It's a difficult thing to do in a novel, in any sort of medium. But in the first series, it's difficult to love it right off the bat because everyone's so awkward. They're trying to find out who they are. They're trying to, you know, find a way to navigate the world with each other without knowing. Like, Josh is just coming out for the first time. He doesn't know what he wants. But by the end of it, Rose committing suicide is devastating because you know she's flawed. You know she goes off her medication sometimes, but she has been fighting to stay alive. She goes to the hospital to get help even though she doesn't want to. She moves in with Hannah and then treats her badly because she can't be alone. She, she needs someone there to watch her because she can't be trusted alone. After her best friend commits suicide, she has to go out with her son for five days to Tasmania. It is heartbreaking when she dies because she loses that struggle. You know she's flawed, but you don't blame her for committing suicide. It's it's so it's so tough. Yeah, it is. It's very much um, it allows people to be deeply flawed and to make 
bad decisions and to make good decisions and to reach out for help and to reject that help and then to come back to it later on and all the things that you have to actually do in life where it's not a clean ending, it's not a resolution, it's not a series of events that builds very nicely towards something. There's an entire bottle episode where Josh and his mother and father who are divorced, you know, his father is now dating and they have a child together and they kind of all reconnect and it's this beautiful bottle episode at a really expensive restaurant where they're getting served like a deconstructed cake on a table. It looks and so it's, good. It looks so good and and she just is having the time of her life and pays for the bills and it's it's reminding that things don't always make sense and things come at you out of the blue and, and you're going to react to it however you react to it and that's okay. They didn't do anything except sit down at a table and have a meal. The whole thing was around the table and it was one of the best episodes. It made me call my parents and ask them to go to a tasting <laughs> restaurant in Toronto because it was so beautiful and it's heartbreaking because you find out later it's the episode before she kills herself where she's essentially saying goodbye to them. Yeah. She doesn't say goodbye but, but she, she admits was. that she still loves this Alan, she, you know, is proud of Josh and that he's he's on his way to developing into the man that she hopes he yeah. will be. Which shows like how good the writing is in the, in Please Like Me that they can get away with having a show where there's not much external forces happening. It's all just they, the main characters interacting, just pure script. It's three of the best episodes. It's the time they go to Tasmania. There's literally no music in that until the until the credits come up. They they sing the theme song because they are isolated. Fine, yeah. It's it's sort of a, a metaphor of them against the worlds. Like all they have is each other. And it's part of the reason why Josh is so devastated in the end. The most heartbreaking quote comes right at the end of the season. And I don't want to screw it up. So I wrote it down here. It's mostly I feel isolated because no one cared about, about her as much as I did. I get it. I get it. She's not actually very interesting in the scheme of the world. She was a very average lady, but she was very big and very special to me. How many people do you know that apply to? We don't know, you know, Gandhi's. We don't know Elvis Presley's. We know people that might be great to us. They might be amazing people. And when you lose them, you've lost someone that's so special, that's so important to you. And personally, as somebody, like I lost my mom a couple of years ago, and I, I thought I would have a, a bigger reaction to, to uh, the mom passing away, but it, the same thing hit me. It was Tom reacting to Josh when Josh leaves the room after he's trying to console yeah. him. Just seeing his anguish at not being able to help his friend, that that really hit me. But I can, I, I see what you mean though. Like my mom was definitely, I was a mama's boy, still am a mama's boy. That doesn't go away. It's just, it's, it, it is amazing how much it throws you for a loop. You don't realize after the fact that, that you're going to miss or even little things like, oh, I'd like to call her and tell her about this. Like it's not the day that she passed away or her birthday or mother's day. It's, it's like, I had to get my long form birth certificate and just seeing her handwriting on it like that destroyed mm. me like little little things like that so I like I don't want to say Gandhi or, or but she right. she was my Elvis she like right. she, nobody else not that nobody else didn't care it's just in the grand scheme of the world my mother was also a very average person but it, yeah when you lose that person it's like it's it's massive and, and, and to have a, yeah. a, a a comedy illustrate that in a way that seems respectful is amazing I yeah. think that's an achievement there is a lot of media that deals with suicide and its effects and you know it's obviously it's a super sensitive subject so when josh thomas was actually writing that episode he wanted to make sure that he did so in a really responsible way as a content creator because things like the portrayal of suicide on screen can inspire 
like copycats in real life. So he actually consulted with mental health um, organizations and charities and wanted to make sure, not he wanted to make sure that he did it the right way, but he had a story to tell. He had this perspective that he wanted to show. He wanted to portray a real life story that very sadly happens to people in the real world and has real world effects and real world consequences. The way that it's executed with with like the deepest respect to the integrity of the characters and also the deepest respect for the audience who might be going through something like that. Like is that is I, that I, for you the that's the thing. That's what that's why please like me is head and shoulders above the rest of media that is dealing with this i i think yeah i think that i think that it i think that because you didn't hear them talking about suicide every episode you didn't hear them talking about mental health every episode it was always there but it wasn't necessarily you know let's have a discussion about mental health it was layered within the show in such a way that you learned about everything you needed to while watching the show. I, I don't want to give someone like a micro Oscar, but for that little brief 10 seconds, I was, it just, it just, I don't know. I, I know why it hit me. It's just incredible. Like that, just that little performance, just that reaction, that visceral, like that helplessness was so raw. Like it just, I really felt it. And it's, it's pretty amazing how, how they got that into such a short, short clip i guess and they, they out of drag him, it on it was out just, of him too tom yeah. was you know at the very beginning he was just wallpaper know, he's wallpaper yeah <laughs> he developed his character yeah. but the other one was claire too yeah. i'm not sure if you had the same effect but i have well, that was great as well actually, i have yeah. lost i ha, i know people that have lost people very close to them and her response to josh that there is literally nothing i can yeah. say just an absolute honest yeah. admission of despair of hopelessness of that feeling that all i want to do is be helpful to you and there isn't anything i can say or do that will make this any less i can think of literally nothing helpful to say like there's just nothing in the world <laughs> so yes thank you for acknowledging that everyone keeps trying to make it better but it's just can't it cannot be made better no this is just one of those things that's going to be really shit for a while and then one day it's just going to feel less shit. In one of my weaker moments dealing with someone that was going through with depression, I failed. I said, oh, you know, your life isn't that bad. There is so much to be happy for. You can't be sad all the time. Seeing that, I can reflect back on myself and know that what I had done was wrong in that moment, that I have to be better. I have to acknowledge that what they're dealing with is real. Their mental state is maybe not my mental state, yeah. but it is real to them. And so you can't take that away from them. You have to, you have to allow them to, to live in their reality, but at the same time be there for them. You, you need to pick up the phone. You need to say what you need to do. And in the moment, it also helped Josh. Everyone has been telling him, I'll do your laundry. I'll yeah. clean up after you. What do you need? All he needs is someone to be there because there is nothing you can do. He lost his mother yeah. in a horrible way. There's yeah. nothing that's going to fix that. It's going to be shit for a little while. And then one day you'll turn around and it'll be less shit. Yeah. You won't forget that she's dead. Yeah. It'll just be less awful because and it won't be as close to it. Claire's reaction for me was probably the most 
real that I could have heard as I was going through stuff with my own mother. Like, it's just, that's, that would have been the reaction that would have maybe even smile a bit actually too, yeah. like having that raw, <laughs> raw information thrown at my face, yeah. which I, which I realized, but having someone else say it is definitely helpful. Uh, so the, the last thing that I want to talk about is the way that this show does moments, moments that make you feel something. It does it in a way that movies strive for. There are two hour movies that work towards one moment, and this has episodes that do it consistently in one episode they go out and buy chickens and then raise them in the backyard for several episodes one of their chickens is called adele and it's actually a rooster or something or yeah. thinks it's a rooster so they and buy then... chickens for for the fact that they lay eggs they find out that one of them's a male they're they can't keep it because it crows at five o'clock in the morning so they kill it and eat it. So they kill it and eat it. And it's a difficult episode because it shows, you know, food politics and whatever. You have to kill your meat in order to, and they they actually do do it. But they want to honor the the uh, the bird, the, this whole experience that they went through. So they sit around the table and they sing. They sing for their dead chicken. And it is a beautiful, emotional moment that has so much impact. They do it again when uh, they are trying to get Arnold to come out to his family. Now, this can be a super cliched moment. It's kind of, you know, on the back burner of what this whole series is about as well. You know, a, a gay man coming out. They're sitting around and Josh says, okay, dad, you need to be the unloving father and uh, Arnold, you be the Nancy boy and uh, come out to him. And he says, oh, dad, you know, like, I just need to tell you that I'm going to I'm a gay man. So I'm going to date men. And his father says, oh, that's, you know, I love you anyways. And uh, maybe you'll take me to the shops on Tuesday and you can help me dress better. And Josh Thomas says, no, this this is horrible. And Tom says, this seems a little stereotypical. So he says, OK, you go into a different room. Uh, you. Uh, Arnold, you have to sing and change his mind. Make him love you. And it's such a weird setup. It shouldn't work at all. But Alan goes and he sits down and he looks at him in an unloving way. Arnold starts singing a Sia song and melts everyone's hearts. That's my son. Dad, I'm not sexually attracted to women. I'm proud of you. Even though you're gay, because it doesn't matter that you're gay. What what matters is that you're a good person. Oh my God, it's so good! And again, they just show you with emotion, as opposed to the stereotypical scene of anything. They cut through it, and that episode ends with Josh going, "Yep, yeah, this works. This is better." <laughs> Nailed it. So, Scott, did Please Like Me hit you in the heart? Um, it really did. It wants to get in an emotion, and it does it in ways that are equally as contrived as normal TV storytelling, but it comes at them so honestly and so earnestly and so awkwardly uh, while staying just, like, devastatingly true to the characters. I think that's really where the power of, of Please Like Me comes from. Oh, <laughs> did it hit you in the heart? I've never seen a series that has such a quirky main character. And I, I fell in love with him right away. And like the more Josh really sells it, Josh, he's it's an incredible character, incredible writing. I love the quirk. I love the awkwardness. I love to cringe. So it definitely, it definitely hit me in the heart. 
So that was our episode today. Once more, I am your bleeding hot millennial, Scott. I'm your hearty flyboy, Travis. And I'm your kind-hearted oaf, Paul. And we'll catch you on the next one. for listening to Hit Me in the Heart. You can listen to all the episodes on our website, hitmeintheheart.com, where you'll also find links to Please Like Me and other bits and pieces we mentioned throughout today's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe to us on your platform of choice. And if you want to support us, the very best thing you can do is leave a review online. That really helps new people find our content and makes sure we can keep doing what we're doing. Our email is hitmeintheheartpodcast at gmail.com.